Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. Well, now, on a great journey, a living guide is more useful than a dead one. If you decided to trek from Nepal to Tibet, a guide who knew the mountain tracks would be of more use than a guidebook. Especially a guidebook that was hundreds of years old even if the author of the ancient guidebook had once been once been very wise and knowledgeable. Well, since Jesus lived and died some 2,000 years ago, can he guide you on your journey towards God today? Yes, he can, for a very simple reason. Jesus is alive. Right at this moment, as you are listening to this radio program, Jesus is alive. That is the startling claim the Bible makes. There's no doubt that Jesus died... In or around the year AD 33, on a hill just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem. In our last episode, we looked at the certainty of his death at the hands of a Roman military execution squad. However, the Bible claims that uh, about 72 hours later, his tomb was empty, he was alive again, not merely a resuscitated corpse, but even more alive in a sense than before the resurrection, but before the execution. More alive rather than less. Now, that's a claim that a lot of people have difficulty with, and I understand their difficulty. Some years ago, I used to drive to work each day down the Pacific Highway past Gore Hill Cemetery. Do you know what those folk in Gore Hill Cemetery do? Nothing. Nothing at all. They just lie there. And that is the universal human experience of how dead people behave. And that is why it can be hard to cope with this claim that Jesus came back from the dead. So let's take this claim in stages. First question has to be, is it possible? Granted that it goes against universal human experience, nevertheless, is it possible that it did happen on this one special, unique occasion? Well, if God exists, then it is possible. If God is God, then nothing is physically impossible for God. In a moment's thought will make it clear that the maker and ruler of the universe can, if he chooses, do things we can't dream of doing. The Bible says, quote, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one? The part of the Bible that tells me that is Isaiah chapter 40, sentence 26. In other words, we mustn't make the rather simple-minded mistake of assuming that God has our limitations. The next objection says, look, even though God could do anything, in fact, he seems to work in regular patterns. The universe, after all, works in rational, law-like ways. And raising Jesus from the dead breaks that pattern. Now, I understand that objection. In effect, it's saying some things are just too strange, too bizarre to believe. But strangeness is no reason not to believe. On rare and special occasions, strange things, weird things, bizarre things do happen. Several years ago, Column 8 in the Sydney Morning Herald ran an item about a priest at an Easter service in a Sydney suburban Catholic church. While the congregation was singing a hymn, the priest went out to the vestry and changed from his robes into a clown suit. In the church, he came back, he did cartwheels up and down the main aisle, then returned to the vestry and changed back to his robes. In the pulpit, he said to his congregation that when they told their friends what had happened in church that day, their friends would not believe them. You know, they'd protest that things as strange as that, as weird, as bizarre as that, never happened. But 
concluded the priest. You know it happened. You saw it happen. And the same is true of the resurrection of Jesus. Strangeness is no reason for disbelief. Strange, bizarre, incredible things really can happen. Take the case of Mrs. Caroline Grills. Now, the only photograph I've ever seen of Mrs. Grills, she looks like a grandmother, which, in fact, she was. A nice little, plump, dumpy little grandmother with a warm, sunny smile. She was always helping others, visiting old folk, taking them food that she cooked. This cheerful, smiling, helpful, plump little grandmother was a mass murderer. She poisoned four people with thallium. She slipped into their tea and she attempted to kill three others. She gained nothing from most of her murders she appears to have killed for the pleasure of killing. Mrs Grills was convicted of murder in Sydney's Central Criminal Court in 1953 and she died in what was then the women's wing of Long Bay Prison in 1960. It's a strange story. I mean, weird, bizarre story. But it really happened. How do I know it happened? Well, I wasn't there. I saw none of it happening. I never met Mrs Grills. I wasn't present at her trial. But I still know it happened. How do I know? Because I've read a report based on eyewitness accounts. In a book of famous Australian murder trials, I came across a chapter on Mrs Grills, based on the official court reports and the newspaper reports from the time. And I know that Jesus came back from the dead in exactly the same way, from eyewitness reports. You can read those same eyewitness reports for yourself in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Well now, sometimes strange things happen. Unique things happen. And in the case of the resurrection of Jesus, there is evidence that this strange and very special event actually occurred. Those historical, reliable records that I discussed er earlier in this series all agree on one key fact. On the third day after the resurrection of Jesus, his grave was empty. On the day he died, two of his followers, a lawyer named Nicodemus and a wealthy, influential man named Joseph from the town of Arimathea, requested permission to bury the body of Jesus. They were granted permission by the governor, Pontius Pilate. They buried Jesus in a, a new tomb that Joseph had purchased, probably for his own burial. And this sort of tomb amounted to being a small artificial cave, you know, a large hole dug straight into a vertical rocky cliff. And around the tomb was a garden. The two men wrapped the body of Jesus in clean linen strips, which was the custom in those days, and placed it in the tomb together with spices and perfumes with which bodies were buried in those days. About 30 kilograms of myrrh and aloes, because a wealthy man was paying for the funeral. Then the tomb was sealed by rolling a huge rock, great big large rock over the entrance. Jesus died on a Friday. The next day was the Jewish holy day or Sabbath. The temple authorities asked Governor Pilate to place an armed guard on the tomb. Pilate agreed. On the Sunday morning, at first light, the tomb was found to be open. The big stone, the big huge heavy stone, had been rolled back and the body was missing. Well, those are the facts. The question is, what can account for the empty tomb? There's only a limited number of possibilities. First, maybe the Jewish authorities took the body to prevent the tomb becoming a martyr's shrine. But if they had, they would have produced it when the followers began saying that Jesus had risen from the dead. By hanging the rotting corpse of Jesus over the gate of the city, they could have killed the whole movement in an instant. They didn't do it because they couldn't. They didn't have the body. 
Second, perhaps the Roman authorities took the body. It's hard to imagine why, but the body certainly was their property. Under Roman law, the bodies of those officially executed belonged to the state. Same objection applies. They were in league with the local authorities. They would have turned the body over to them if they hadn't. They didn't because they couldn't. They didn't take it. Third, might grave robbers have taken the body? This just doesn't fit the facts. The eyewitness accounts agree that the linen grave clothes with the spices and perfumes were left behind. What sort of grave robbers take a worthless corpse and leave behind 30 kilograms of myrrh and aloes worth a great deal of money? That story doesn't make any sense. Fourth, did the disciples take the body? Anyone who can believe that has never grieved. If you've ever grieved over the death of someone you loved, then you'll know that's an impossible tale. Psychologically and emotionally impossible. People who are grieving, hurting, depressed, disheartened, their hope destroyed, are not the people who can concoct and carry out a corpse-stealing plot. Fifth, it has been suggested that Jesus only fainted on the cross and revived in the coolness of the tomb. In effect, I've dealt with this. The Roman army was an expert, disciplined army in which they did not make mistakes. They were experts at executions. They did thousands of them. When the Roman army killed someone, he was dead. When Joseph and Nicodemus asked for the body, the governor insisted the soldiers check that Jesus was really dead. There simply wasn't any room for doubt. He died from the crucifixion. The soldiers made sure he was dead with a spear thrust into his side. Then they inspected the body on the governor's instructions. Jesus was dead. The swoon and revival theory, as it's called, is a last straw desperately grasped at by those who want to avoid facing the reality of a living Jesus. And that leaves only one possibility, that God really did this unique thing, that the maker of all that there is, including every human body, remade the body of Jesus in a special and powerful and glorious way. The evidence suggests that it really happened. Well now, that's our program for tonight. We continue our Journey Towards God series tomorrow night, Wednesday night. And if you'd like to have a look at the Aussie Bible, because the Aussie Bible is the easiest way to read this story for yourself, uh, go to the special website www.theaussiebible, as one word, theaussiebible.com.au. Okay, here's our thought for the night. comes from 1 Peter chapter 1 and sentence 3. The Bible says, Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good, and by raising Jesus from death, he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.